Today's the conclusion of four months of study on a Sunday morning. We've been investigating the Bible, the Old Testament and New Testament. And we've, so far, we've had 16 talks by nine different people. And so in September, we're going to have lots of miscellaneous themes. And then in October and November, we'll be looking at the armour of God from Ephesians 6. Part of what I do every week is to encourage people. And today, I really want to encourage you. But I'm going to encourage you in a startling way. You may think this this isn't encouragement at all. Especially seeing as who I am and what we've been doing for the last four months. This is what I want us to think about this morning. The Bible. Please don't read it. I'm glad there's silence, because now I want to explain myself a little bit, okay? Don't read the Bible. This is what we're thinking about today. I used to be a very lovely little boy. I was quite short. I put the arrow there so you didn't think it was the orange bear next to me. But I used to be short. I was blonde. And I was a lovely little boy. I've got a problem in my life. I've changed. And let me tell you, I'm not happy about it. I used to enjoy being a lovely little boy. But now I've changed. I'm a lot taller than when I was sort of younger. And my hair's gone all kinds of different colours instead of being blonde. I'm not happy about it. And do you know who I blame? I blame my parents. I do. Honestly, I blame my parents. They fed me. They gave me drink. They sent me to school. They did all kinds of things for me. Some of the teachers at school were really good. I blame them as well. They've changed me. And some of you, some of you have got a lot to answer for because you've changed me. And I'm not happy about it. So why am I saying all this? Well, It might be that some of you have changed as well. Like, I might be on the right-hand side, that is definitely me on the right-hand side, and some other people that I know of have changed as well. Now, I don't know if you're grumpy about it and unhappy, but remember, I used to be a lovely little boy. I'm not a lovely little boy anymore. And I'm not happy about that. Have I made that clear? I am. Yeah, good, good, yeah. This is me in 1983. It's my baptism at Tamworth Elim. The thing is, I've got to admit to you, even though I'm saying don't read the Bible, since 1983, I've been reading the Bible. All kinds of things have happened in my life because I've been reading the Bible and praying and talking to other Christians. I've changed. Even since January... I've changed. I wouldn't recognise myself back in January to what I'm like now because I've been reading the Bible and I've been praying and having chats with people, which have been good. But I'm not happy about it. I've changed. So I've got a bit of a warning for you. If you want to stay the same as you are now, don't read the Bible. If you want to stay the same as you are now, don't pray. Don't come to church very much and don't get involved with other Christians. Because if you're happy as you are, don't do all those things. 
Because you will change. I've got a funny question for you. Now you can, because this has all been, what's he talking about? This isn't what I expected this morning. We're saying, we're going to change. It just happens, doesn't it? The next three slides all have warnings. So this is the first one, warning number one. Here's warning number two. The Gideons International, you know, who sort of uh, take Bibles to different countries, they're banned from working in 18 countries. Why are they banned? Because the civic authorities, the powers that be, know that the Bible is a dangerous book. And if people read the Bible, they will change. And they won't be so concerned about what the government says, but they'll be really concerned with what God says. So, here's another warning. This is from 2 Timothy 3.16, which you probably know. I'll read it to you. There's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. The brilliant thing is, God has tasks for all of us. No one's exempt. And so as we read the Bible, we might sort of say it's a good idea in a few minutes maybe, in a special kind of way, so God is going to shape us for the future, to do his work and to do his will. So I'm saying, don't read the Bible. Read in inverted commas, of course. Let's just think about that a little bit more. Because I want to give you an invitation. It's not to a party. There's not going to be balloons. There's not going to be cake. But it's a better party than that. Do you want to come with, on an adventure with me? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to get to know someone who created the universe and yet knows everything about you, even the very number of hairs on your head? Do you want to be out of control because you've given control to someone else? Remember, the Bible is going to shape us for the tasks that God has got for us. So, so far I've said, don't read the Bible. Now I'm going to put an extra word in there. Don't merely read the Bible. And that's very different from saying don't read the Bible to saying don't merely read it. Because reading the Bible is more than just reading. Do you know, I'm going to tell you some personal information. I don't have a bath very often. In fact, I can't remember the last time I had a bath. But I do know, when I have a bath in the future, it might be 5 or 10 or 15 years' time or something, I'm going to immerse myself in the water. I'm not just going to put uh, sort of a little bit of water in the bath. I'm going to fill the bath up and then immerse myself in the bath. And I want us to do the same with the Bible. We don't want to just read the Bible. We want to declare the Bible 
meditate on it, memorise it, pray the Bible, and we want to research about what the Bible is saying. God wants us to have a regular soak in the Bible. And he doesn't want us just to have an occasional two-minute sprinkle about what the Bible might be saying. Many of you have heard of Keith and Kristen Getting. You know, they write hymns and things like that, don't they? And these last few days, they've had a big conference in Nashville, in America, when about 10,000 Christians and pastors and worship leaders and musicians come along and they sort of listen to teaching and things like that and worship well together. There was one person that maybe some of you have heard of, and he said something amazing this week, because I've been listening online and watching sort of the streaming of the videos and everything. It's been very good. There's this chap called John Lennox. Now, he's a mathematician of a very senior level. Like, he teaches in Oxford University and various places. But he's Kristen's uh, uncle. He's the brother of her dad. And he said this, this week, this is what he said. If we're, going to, if we're ever going to make an impact on the world, we're going to have to get back into the word of God and take it seriously. We're saying we're on an adventure. I know, because I've read lots of things about explorers, that if you're on an adventure, if you're exploring places, you have to take the right equipment. So you might explore the Arctic or the Antarctic, or you might explore, like Livingston did, like in Africa, or you might sort of go to the moon, Neil Armstrong and Buzz and Michael Collins were just thinking about a few weeks ago, weren't we? It's no good taking a canoe to the moon. Wrong equipment. It might be top-class equipment, really good, but it's a waste of time. You're not going to do anything there. The Sea of Tranquility isn't really a sea, is it? So the canoe is useless. And if you're going to go, say, to the desert, you're not going to go in a spacesuit. It's the wrong equipment. And so as we live our lives... We want to have the best equipment to use. The best equipment is the Bible. So we can read it, but more than read it, we're going to take it seriously and let it engage in our lives. If uh, having the right equipment on an expedition is a very serious thing, it could change your life. Your life might come to an end. Just like we know about Scott of the Antarctic, He kind of did a few things, and yet, you know, he he kind of got somewhere, but then he didn't get back. Equipment and things like that, things that didn't go well for him. And it's exactly the same in our life. Now, if you've read the Onward newsletter today, you'll have seen this quote from George Muller. And he lived in Bristol for a lot of his life. And he says this, I saw that the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the word of God and to meditation on it. What is the food of the inner man? Not prayer, but the word of God. And not the simple reading of the word of God, so that it only passes through our minds just as water runs through a pipe, but considering what we read, pondering over it, and applying it to our hearts. So there's three main verbs there that we're thinking about. We're not just going to read it quickly and just let it wash over us like a water going through a pipe, like he says. But we need to consider, we need to ponder, we need to apply what the Bible says to our life. 
And of course, the thing is, all of these actions take time and energy. But then I thought positively, positively about it because, oh, I haven't got the time, I haven't got this, I haven't got that. But then I was thinking, wow, if I do something about considering, pondering and applying, what a great investment that is in my life. If I read the Bible and really make it part of me, then that's investing in my soul, isn't it? Investing in me. And by doing that, that will invest in you, just as you read the Bible and really take note of it and think about it and apply it to yourself as well. Something I want you to think about, but you don't need to sort of say out loud. Can we sometimes, I wonder, be too familiar with certain parts of the Scriptures? Maybe, for most of us, we don't read Leviticus too often. But you might read Psalm 23 a lot, or John chapter 3, or Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, or whatever it might be. You might have passages in the Bible that you read a lot, and you're very familiar with it. And that is good, but I wonder if we can be too familiar. I wonder, if we use Bible notes, and probably most of you do, do you sometimes, like I do occasionally, just read through the familiar parts that you know and then skip on and see what the person who's commentating on it has to say and spend more time thinking about that than thinking about what the Bible says to you. I know for myself, sometimes I do that, but more and more I'm saying to myself, I'm reading the Bible, I'm not going to read what so-and-so has to say about it, but let me ponder it. Let me spend five minutes just thinking, what, Lord, do you want to say to me about that today? And then I'll read Bible notes and think about what they have to say there. There's lots of famous athletes. To me, this chap here is one of the most famous, and his name is Usain Bolt. Now, do you rem- have you seen this photo before? Probably you have, but maybe you haven't. Can you see what Usain Bolt's doing? He's smiling at the camera. This is the semi-final of the 2016 Olympics in Rio. Now, we know that Usain Bolt is a brilliant athlete, so I've put some of his sort of statistics there, just so you can have a look at them if you want to. So he won three golds in successive Olympics. And so he knows he's brilliant at running. And so he wasn't concentrating on running in this semi-final, well, he was, because he won it, and then he won the gold. But he was running, and pretend Nick is the photographer, so he's, he's just sort of come off his blocks. I'm not going to do it as quick as Usain Bolt, otherwise that would be showing off. But he sort of is running, and all these other people, can you see them behind them? Oh, really going for it, really thinking, oh, I've got to get to the, I've got to win. And yet Usain Bolt is just looking over there. Oh, there's a photographer there. <laughs> and he's just going, and he wins because he knows he can do it without straining and striving to win. Whereas all these people are behind him, they're looking at the end. They're running to the end. They're, they've got their focus. But Usain Bolt, great athlete, brilliant with all these things. And so he's not looking at the, the winning bit. He knows he can do it. He's just looking around and just, oh, I'm going to smile. There's a photographer. I bet that'll be a good photo. All within... A few milliseconds, he just thinks about it and just does it. It's good to be familiar with the Bible. But I want us to think, 
can we be confident in expecting, anticipating what the punchline is almost to what the Bible passages is? And instead of spending time, Lord, what do you want to say to me now? We just know what it says and great. Just like Usain Bolt can just run and he didn't really need to think about it. He just ran and just did it without concentrating too much. I want to change my life a bit more. Like I say, from 1983, my life has changed drastically, even since January. But what I want to do is live my life at a slower pace. And that's a big ask, because I, I go, boom, 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 boom. One thing, then another, then another, then another. But I've got an intention in my life to slow down and to enjoy the journey. I know that if I walk from home to here, it takes an hour. And I'm looking around, having a chat with Jill or whatever. It's really nice. If I come in the car, I don't see half the things I do. I'm just going A to B, straight there, then straight on somewhere else, straight on somewhere else. And I don't want me or you reading the Bible like that. I want to read the Bible more slowly, not just my life. I want to take in the view on the journey of life, seeing what, the, what, what it's like. Because remember, as George says, we need to consider, we need to apply, and we need to ponder a lot more about what the Bible is saying to us. So there's an important word I want us to think about, and here it is. I want to let God, through the Bible, engage my heart, mind, and soul more often. I don't want to just read it and then just, it just comes out of my head. I want to read it and apply it and ponder and consider and spend time engaging with what the Bible says. So I've got some ideas. Things we've done before. And all these things you'll know. That's all great. But again, I'm here to encourage you not to just read the Bible, to merely read the Bible, but to read the Bible. Did you hear the difference? So I don't want you to read the Bible. I want you to read the Bible. We've said already a bit of a list so we can learn, we can research. And together, for some of us anyway, we've been meeting on a Monday night, following a, a course these last sort of few weeks and months. And that's been brilliant. There's things I didn't know about the Bible that I've learnt through being on this course on a Monday night. There's one more. 2nd September, if you've never been, you can still come. That's great. And uh, you'll learn some things, I'm sure, about it. Declaring, that was a word Jill used earlier, right at the start of the service. Declaring and getting a big picture of. Earlier I was saying, we don't want to be speedy at reading it and just sort of, we want to concentrate. But sometimes it's great to read the whole book of Jonah or the whole book of Matthew. And three times over the last year, well, one is to come at the end of next month, we've spent time as a church or a group of us from the church reading either all the Psalms that we did last September or last March we read all the Gospels. In a month's time, we're going to read Acts and Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. So that's a time when we get the big picture of the book. You don't have to come. It would be great to see you. You can do that at home as well. Don't just read a chapter. Read a whole book and just see what that's like. Memorising. I've got an apology. Those two words, I'm sorry. Do you know, often, when there's a family service, 
we memorise scripture. And then we say at the end, oh, can you remember what it was? And I do that in a family service. But I want to do it more often. I used to know a lot of scripture in my head. I used to memorise it a lot. But I'm sorry, it's apologies now. Because instead of encouraging you to do it regularly, daily, monthly, weekly, or whatever it might be, just now and again we do it in a family service. And to me, I want to encourage you more regularly to do that. And not just, it's great in a family service to do it, but I want to encourage you more often. Shall I tell you why? You know all this anyway. It's, it's no big thing. We read this last week. Jesus knew the Old Testament in and out, easily. And that's what we need to know. We need to know the Bible so we can just easily know it. And rather than having to use our phone or a tablet or whatever to help us to remember where Jesus said so-and-so. I used to, in the 80s and the 90s, know a lot more about the Bible from memory than I do now. It's just that I've not been putting it into practice because I use other things to help me. Google can be a good thing, but it's kind of made, made me lazy. Maybe you too, I don't know. But this is what Jesus said. So he's, the, te- the devil is tempting him just after his baptism. Jesus refused, again, back in his refusal with Deuteronomy. Worship the Lord your God and only the Lord your God. Serve him with absolute single-heartedness. So Jesus knew the Old Testament. We, I want to know the Bible more and not just be stuck with what I know already. Often when we go praying, or when I pray on my own, I'll think of a scripture. So like this week, as we've said, many of us have been going around different places. And so before we go out, I'll think of a scripture that I think, oh yeah, that's going to be really good and we can pray about that a little bit. And I don't do that just because when I'm stuck about what to pray, I want to sort of say, Lord, what are you saying to me? Your words have life. I want to have that life. So what are you saying? And I'll just have a think and a bit of a pray. Then I'll come across a a couple of verses or a verse. I'll say, yeah, Lord, help me to pray on that. Help me, Lord, to be guided by what your word is saying. Help me, Lord, to, to know what you're saying. Just like Phyllis She said earlier, I opened my Bible. And that's brilliant because I want to encourage you to open your Bible, to be stimulated by the Bible. Some of us have been using this app for the last few weeks, the Bible in One Year app. And all I hear is positive things about it. It's brilliant. So you can be stimulated. We might use various Bible reading notes or uh, you might have a book of uh, every day of the year where you just read a passage from the Bible and then someone's comments about it on the 1st of January, the 2nd of January, the 3rd of January. So you go through a book and sometimes people will send you emails about this is what the Bible passage is, this is a commentary on it, and that's brilliant. But do you notice what I've just been saying? I've missed an important word out that I've put in italics there. Daily. Because God is calling us to be stimulated daily by reading his word. I'm not suggesting we should read the Bible all day, every day, although there are times for that, for sure. But maybe if you just read the Bible a little bit at the moment, maybe you might say to yourself, I'm going to set myself a task to read it five times in a week. And I've done a bit of research. If you did 
let's say you read it every day, okay? If you started today with Psalm 1 and you wanted to read all the Psalms, you'd read Psalm 150 on the 22nd of January. That's not too long away. If you wanted to read the 117 chapters of all the Gospels and Acts, if you did that every day, by the 20th of December, you would have read every chapter in the Gospels and all of Acts as well, just by reading one chapter a day and pondering and wondering and applying it to yourself. So I want to encourage you to do it because we don't want to just read the Bible. We want to read the Bible, don't we? Here's some passages then that might encourage us along the way. And I'll sit down just to read them so you can read them too if you want to. Oh, for those passages, there's this uh, great theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So let me read this as well, because this is very useful too. All of this is on the website, remember, as I often say. All prayers of the Bible are such prayers which we pray together with Jesus Christ, in which he accompanies us, and through which he brings us into the presence of God. Otherwise, there are no true prayers, for only in and with Jesus Christ can we truly pray. If we want to read and to pray the prayers of the Bible, and especially the Psalms, therefore, we must not ask first what they have to do with us, but what they have to do with Jesus Christ. So again, it's centering our minds, not on ourselves. Lord, what can you do for me? What, what's going on today with me? But we're saying, Lord, be the centre of my life. As I read the Bible, speak to me, not about me, speak to me about you, Lord, and your church and your, and your life and your love for all of us. So that's a handy thing just to consider. Here's some of these readings then. How many have we got? One, two, three, four. Um, there's a few. So here we go. So this is a living Bible. So get rid of your feelings of hatred. Don't just pretend to be good. Be done with dishonesty and jealousy and talking about others behind their backs. Now that you realise how kind the Lord has been to you, Put away all evil, deception, envy and fraud. If you are tasted the Lord's goodness and kindness, cry for more as a baby cries for milk. Eat God's word, read it, think about it and grow strong in the Lord and be saved. So maybe we're baby-like at the moment or maybe we were baby-like 10 years ago. As we apply and ponder and consider what the God's word says to us, so we're going to gain in strength and become the men and women of God that he intends us to be. Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Again, it's the meditation and the memorising to store up God's word in our lives so that when we're sort of just going along the road or on a bus or just meeting someone and we're just waiting because they're five minutes late or something or you're five minutes early, you've got all this word of God stored up in you. So instead of just looking at your watch or looking around, you can be going over what God says in Psalm 150 or whatever it might be because you've got that facility, you've got that tank that's there of the Bible in you, so you can really be using it and not just switch off from God, but be meditating on what God is saying at that moment. 
Let the word of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Apply the scriptures as you teach and instruct one another with the, word, with the psalms and with festive praises and with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the Spirit. So sing to God with all your hearts, Colossians 3.16. Now, of course, this word is logos. So it's saying the speech of Christ. Remember what he's saying. Remember what he said to us. If we sort of want to read the Gospels, we can remember what God is saying, what Jesus said, and let it dwell in us. Let it flood us. Let it sort of really immerse us. Just like we're saying, having a bath. Immerse yourself in a bath. So we want the Logos of Christ, the Word of God, to come in and flood us and immerse us. Here's another one. This is from Acts 17.11. The Berians were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. So these things were so. Paul was talking to the, church, the people there and saying, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is the Messiah. And so they were searching Isaiah and other parts of the Old Testament to check, yes, is this what he is saying? And because I love this phrase, readiness of mind, because they had the readiness of mind, they were open to God, so they searched the scriptures daily again. And they were saying, yeah, this is what is, uh, God is saying. Let's give our lives to Jesus and follow him. So readiness of mind. Have I missed one? Nope. There we go. Right, final one, I think. And let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we may stir up, stimulate and incite, to love and helpful deeds and noble activities, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some people, but admonishing, warning, urging and encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. That's Jesus coming again, Hebrews 10, 24, 25. So I want to, like I was saying earlier, I want to encourage all of you to do great things for God and to know that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. And as we read the Bible, so we know this is true. And I chose this picture on purpose because they're looking at each other, aren't they? They're looking like they're very happy to be with each other. And I thought that was quite ironic in a way because the word that sort of tells us to spur each other on, it says in NIV. But here it says, stir up, stimulate and incite. The Greek word for that is paroxysmum. And so I've got a great definition of that. I'll read it to you. It means to stimulate, provoke or stir up. But then there's a literal translation, and this is what it is. A provocation, I always sit up when I see that word, do you? A provocation which literally jabs or cuts someone so they must respond. So if I was coming along over to Jill, because she's always a good volunteer, I'd come along to Jill and sort of have a bit of a, uh, a chat, and I'd say, come on then, but really go for it in a metaphorical way. And then that would stir her up in a lovely way to respond to what I'm saying. And that's what we need to do with each other. Sometimes we've got to stir each other up in love just so that we do do something. Because is it sometimes too easy just to be lazy and apathetic and just stay the same as you always have been? It isn't it. 
But what we want to do is fan into flame the gift that God has given us to stir each other up. And so we know that God will do something in us. Now, I'm not much of a scientist, but I've got an idea in this next photo what is going to happen next. I want you to study this photo. Pretend you're at school, in the primary school or something. Study this photo. You don't need to put your hands up, but just when you know the answer as to what happens next, shout it out. Tell me, what's going to happen next? So here's a match on flame. Oh, I can hear something. Here's a match on, it's on fire, and then there's this other match at an angle that's fairly close to that match. So what's someone's been saying? Marilyn, was it? Yeah, so as this comes down, and the flame is flickering around, because that's what flames do, this is close enough to catch fire. That's what's going to happen, isn't it? I've put likely, because scientists are never 100%, are they? They say, this is probably what's going to happen. So, likely, reading the Bible will always create action in us if we're pondering, applying, and considering what it says. It's going to initiate and generate change. That's what I was saying earlier. Don't read the Bible if you don't want to change. If you're going to want to change and know God more, Read the Bible, but don't read the Bible. See what I'm saying? So we've got to read the Bible and really ponder and immerse and get into the Bible rather than just casually read the Bible. Now, there is a saying, and I know if I show you the next photo, you will know the saying. I don't want you to think I'm teaching granny to suck eggs because all of these things you know about already, every one of them. But the thing is, I want to pray for you and encourage you to immerse yourself in the Bible. And so I've got a few conclusions that we're briefly going to look at. Let's read the Bible regularly, whether it's on our own or together. Let's invest time and effort in researching and reading the Bible As we read the Bible, let's expect God to speak to us. And let's be ready to change, having read the Bible. And the reason is this. Remember how the governments in several countries have banned the Gideons? Because the Bible is dangerous. Sometimes people say, if something's dangerous, you should handle it with care. Don't handle the Bible with care. Just treat it with reverence. Because it's God speaking to it. It's God's word. So we want to read the Holy Bible with reverence. But we don't want to handle it with care, put it on a a shelf and just keep it there and get it out once a day and sort of things like that. We want to not be careful about reading it, but we do want to be reverent when we read it. Because God is not predictable. And often we want God to be predictable because that fits in with our lives. But as we listen to God speak to us through the Bible, so he might say something that we're not expecting and expect us to do it. A.W. Tozer, one of my heroes, he said this, whatever keeps me from my Bible is my enemy, however however harmless it may appear to be. We're very fortunate to live 
in this era, in this year, this time. Because there are so many books about the Bible and so many different Bible versions and translations and emails and things on the internet. We should be really Bible rich. But I think normal people are very Bible poor. Because instead of the reading the Bible, considering, applying and pondering, sometimes I, maybe sometimes you, but most of the general public just skim read or don't even read the Bible at all. So I want to see God change our Bible poverty to Bible riches. I want to see us not just reading the Bible, however dangerous it might be, reading it, memorising, declaring, researching. My prayer for all of you, and for myself as well, is that we would let the Bible read us, and that we would let God speak to us through the Bible, and not just put it down and just look at it now and again, but let it immerse us and change our lives. So we're going to pray, and then Jill's going to come and help us to respond to all of these things. Lord, we do thank you for your word. Your word is dynamic, it's dynamite, it is dangerous. So Lord, in our lives, we open our hearts to you. And Lord, we draw us to read your word, Lord. Show us where we can get started, show us where we can continue. Show us, Lord, how we can immerse ourselves in knowing more about you and knowing you, Lord. Thank you for the relationship we have. Thank you that it is certain what the Bible is saying, even though we can interpret it in different ways. Lord, there's so much there that is just so obvious for us to know. So we open our hearts to the obvious things and the less obvious things and say, Lord, speak to us as we read your word. Help us to be Christians that follow you by reading and doing and thinking your way, Lord. Amen.